Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mangum Watches. This is a Mangum Talks podcast where we get together, the brain trust here at Mangum Talks, and review a movie. I have the brain trust of Mangum Talks with me on my podcast co-host, Spencer. Spencer, how you doing? Halfway awake. How about you? Spencer seems to be kind of with us. And we also have BJ. BJ, what's happening this morning? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. And Levi, rounding out our foursome. Levi, how you doing? Absolutely fantastic. I've discovered there's a bold setting on my coffee maker, and I, and I <laughs> that means there's extra uh, caffeine in my in my, my coffee. Did um, you pull a Spencer? Wow. Did I read the, the manual? No, I did not. Um, no, no, I just, no, but did you finally look down and see, see a button? Uh, so I've had this coffee maker for, I don't know, a couple of years. There was a time where I wasn't really using it because there wasn't a ton of, of, of counter space, um, and then I started using it when I moved into to the house we purchased. Um, and I just never really like looked through the settings and, and, uh, Sam was cleaning up recently, unplugged it to do some cleaning up, didn't plug it back in. I had to, to, to reset the clock and that, you know, it made me, compelled me to, to inspect all the settings and boy, oh boy, bold, more bold. Heavy, baby. nice. <laughs> Levi's got a bold thing. We recently bought a dishwasher and the dishwasher stopped working. Um, and it just like the, the motherboard just was like flashing crazy. And I was like, I'm going to try to fix this thing. And I pressed the cancel button for four straight minutes. And that did it. So shout out to me. If you have a broken dishwasher, press the cancel button four minutes. Did not know that. Uh, BJ, in terms of you saying pulling a Spencer, you're so right. It's disturbing because I had a coffee maker growing up that had a bold setting. And I always looked at it and wondered, I wonder what that is. And I never once touched it. Levi, you've taught me something now after all these years. Spencer, you do have ant-like qualities. Of sort of, uh, this is what I do during the day. This is my yep. this is my path. I do it. There, there's a pattern. There's yep. a procedure, and it is followed. I was uh, trying to decide if you were going with the uh, parent's sister, and you know, just like kind of confused by technology, but but you know, is grateful that it's there, or uh, the the insect. People listening to this are like, am I on the right podcast? Do these guys review movies? Yeah. So we do actually <laughs> we <get laughs> review that. movies here that. on this podcast. This is a man- This is called Mangum Washes. And so if you've been following this podcast, we have gone through sort of the seasons, weirdly enough. We, we started with horror movies and we went through a bunch of horror movies. We did like some kind of indie stuff, some sort of um, obscure movies. And then we transitioned into doing the OG, the original slasher horror movies we did. Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, the original Child's Play, on and on, Halloween. We did a bunch of them. And then we transi- started transition to Christmas with The Nightmare Before Christmas. And now here we are. We're in Christmas movies. And I have successfully gotten the guys to watch a Christmas movie that is, I'm going to say, like very, very near and dear to my heart. It's the Tom Hanks special. <laughs> yep. Tom yep. Hanks all the way. So, so the, um, we, we is the reason that you chose Polar Express because it is the the finest hair away from being like an all out musical and, yeah, and so, maybe not even. Yeah. So BJ's got, I love musicals this, this week, for instance, I've been on a Hedwig kick and I've listened to nothing but Hedwig and the angry inch soundtrack all week. I like, I listen to a lot of soundtracks. I went to a Christmas uh, celebration last night and one of the guys, there's big music head and he came up and he asked me, what music have you been listening to lately? And I actually said show tunes. I said that to a person. I said, I've been listening to show tunes. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, so yeah, I love musicals, but I'll tell you, this movie's kind of like close to me because um, for a personal reason, I um, it's the first movie I ever took a nephew or niece to as an uncle. It was my first ever uncle thing. Um, I had a nephew. He was like five. 
I'd never done anything. I'm a terrible uncle. I'd never done anything with him. And I, this is the, something I did. I took him to the theater to watch this movie. And I don't know, this movie just feels like Christmas to me. There's so much like Christmas stuff. I was telling the guys beforehand that when I'm looking for a Christmas movie, they, they always joke about Die Hard, And I like want to spit on my phone when I see the, the, the text. Like, I hate the idea that Die Hard's a Christmas movie because what I want out of a Christmas movie is Christmas imagery. Give me all the trees. I want music. And at the end, I want to feel better than when I started. Bang. Die Hard checks all of those boxes. I'm just going to say that right now. Die Hard. We can stop talking about Die Hard. It does not do any of those things. Uh, So, yeah, I just like a feel-good Christmas movie. I would say my favorite Christmas movie of all time is Love Actually, but this is probably three or four on that list. Uh, So that's my take on the movie. We, of course, are going to go into a bit of a recap with the movie and additional thoughts, but I just want to do initial takes. I'll start with Spencer. Spencer, what did you think of Polar Express? Uh. This is actually one of my favorite children's stories growing up. It's one of my favorite Christmas stories. We pretty much read it every year. Uh, it's by the same guy who it's by the same guy who did Jumanji, uh, the, the book Chris Van Alsberg. Who, wonderful, wonderful um, drawings, wonderful paintings in it. It is, however, a 32-page story, and that really shows when it comes to this movie. Uh, I loved the imagery of anything other than the humans. We'll get into the humans later, um, and I thought it hit the themes of the book. All right, better at the end than like the first half. But the padding in this is just a lot. This movie is stretched to all in to make a 32-page story work for an hour and a half movie. And it really shows. There are so many roller coasters. There is so much needless action. There is so much of characters just doing things for the sake of giving them something to do for the next 15 minutes that ultimately really brings down the film for me. I found it all right, and parts of it were kind of hard to soldier through. Okay, well... so fair, obviously, your feelings are valid here on the Mango Talks podcast um, network, Spencer. But I will say that I, for me, I felt like a lot of the action was because that you know you kind of need that to keep kids engaged with the movie. Um, you know the the train sequences where they're on the top and they're running around and people were like half falling off and ki- kids get get super engaged with that. Like those action scenes keep them engaged. It's it's you know famously hard to get kids that are under like seven or eight to watch an hour and a half movie and sit in their seat the whole time. So I felt like maybe that's part of it. I don't know. It, it does seem it, the children I have been around who watched the movie. It did seem to help. That is 100% the reason that they do that as well as to justify an average animated film length. I'm saying this is not a story that well accommodates that this could be a great Oscar nominated short film as a full length movie. I was just laying back in my chair waiting for the next plot point to happen as we just went on the next roller coaster for like the fifth time. You didn't like the six minutes. Yeah, 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 we got it. But but yeah, like for, no, just so people I, could have a cup of hot chocolate. Did not like that. Did not like the ticket that just roams around the countryside <laughs> for like 10 minutes just to come back and having no relevance whatsoever to the plot. It's magical. Actually it's magical. Out anyway. I uh, didn't like the additional roller coaster we get once the train car de- detaches. The number of near death scenes involving children in this film almost moves it out of the range of a holiday movie for me. These kids are constantly under threat of the next way they're going to die before they're going through this. There's even implied death by means of hitting a, of hitting a train tunnel overpass for a hobo on the train. Um, Unclear if this is actually happening, though. I magical wish, I hobo. Say that. It's fine. This, this might it's be a dream. dream. This might be a dream. Uh, so, BJ, you're a big, big Christmas guy. What did you think I of am. this film? Um, you know, it is probably in the top 50 Christmas movies that I've ever seen. Look at uh, that. Woo! How many have you seen? Uh, probably 52. under 10. So, <laughs> okay, just sitting that out there. <laughs> um, it like it's, 
I don't know. It it it's almost watchable. It, it it's it's very okay. I I just there are times that it strikes a, a note that is worthwhile, and then there are times that it you know has fun scenes to watch. Um, and it is not a majority of the movie. Um, it I don't know. It 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 was a thing. I I I don't know. So I, I, I I'm the Grinch. It's fine. I, I'm gonna accept that. I have a question for you. Um, the what about when finally the North Pole and you see the North Pole, you see the elves working, you see like sort of the grandiosity of Santa's whole operation. Did, like it seemed to me in Spencer's recap that maybe that was maybe a stronger part of it because he said the second half he liked more. It was how did that hit you, VJ? Um, because I feel I like mean, that's the strength of the movie. Yeah, I mean it was. I guess that was a bit better, but I mean we were pretty far in by the time we get there. Um, and the, the attempts at humor, uh, that they have like peppered out throughout this are just so lazy. Um, and I I feel like the, the movie didn't know what it wanted to be. And then had like little bits of of places where it found its footing and, you know, Santa's workshop area was one of them, but again, it was sort of like the way that they ended up exploring that that whole area was just kind of weird. It's like, oh, I hear something. Let's wander down this one. It's like, uh, okay, I guess. I have a question um, for you. Yeah. You're Jewish. When you okay. were growing up, did your mom just bust the Santa bubble like from Jump Street? When you came home and like these kids are talking about Santa, was your mom like, yeah, that's a load of shit? Like, how did that work in your household? Um, I mean, so up until high school, I went to like a Jewish school. So, so nobody was talking about Santa. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much i mean like i guess you know there was santa around but like it was never a thing in the house so it wasn't like oh who's bringing the presents there you know there was never anything like that so so my consumption of christmas stuff was things that when i could understand like what was going on so there was no there was nobody like oh like you know santa claus is going to visit you know all the good boys and girls so you didn't have even like a moment in your life where you thought Santa was a real thing. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, me neither, but I, that was told it was, but I, I never really bought into it. Uh, Levi, what'd you think of the film? Um, I think it's a very absurd movie. Ultimately. Um, it, it's a movie that, that I like you was exposed through uh, nieces and nephews um, because it was really released in what, 2004 or five. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a little bit later than our, our, our sort of childhood. Right. Um and so I like it, but it's not, I mean, it's not a great movie. Um, there's some, there's, there's some good bits. Um, I actually like some of the, some of the interlude stuff, right? The, the, the ticket going, you know, flowing around. That's always fun uh, to me. I think, I think it's whimsical and, and, and fun, but DJ, I'm, I'm super curious. So yeah, your, your parents didn't like explain Santa Claus or, 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 or set up Santa Claus, but like you're walking around and there's like Santa shit everywhere. There's Santa Claus is at yeah. the mall. Um, like there's there's Coke commercials. It's it's everywhere in the culture. Like there was no sort of yeah, this is just what the Christians do. Like this, if this were a different culture, this wasn't the dominant culture in the world. Like we'd absolutely be discussing it and saying, you know, hey, yeah, hey Terry, uh, why is there um, skeletons dancing around? Right? Um, sure. Well, because the Hispanic population believes in the Day of the Dead, this sort of thing, right? I mean, you'd have so- to explain it. I mean, it, it's, I'm trying to remember like what outward things of Christmas I observed as a kid. And it would be like, 
lights on houses, mm-hmm. like people having Christmas trees, but there wasn't like, I, I don't think we like would be in a mall with like kids getting on Santa's laps. Maybe it was. And it was just like, Oh, that's something that like, you know, Christians do. They, they ask Santa for presents or something like that. But you know, it wasn't until probably later in like references on TV or something. I mean, maybe my, my parents sat me down and like explained the Christian belief system on, on Christmas. And it was just like, all right. So they believe that there's this. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we're after, right? We're like, and it seems like you, the answer is you don't, you don't remember like when you actually were exposed to it, but like, that's what kind of what we're after. Like, we, yeah. like, were you ever told like, Hey, we do this whole Hanukkah thing, but check out some of the kids are going to be talking about this fat guy who comes to visit him and it's bullshit, but like, here's this situation. Yeah. I mean, I think be maybe like there, there would have been more of that if I was in public school. Um, but also like, I think I got like doses of what Christmas is like over time in terms of like, yeah, you know, people decorate their houses with lights for Christmas. And mm-hmm. like, we definitely go, you know, see stuff in the neighborhood or um, like downtown Baltimore has like 34th street, um and so but uh i'm i'm sure i asked questions and got answers i mean i'm sure that around you know this time like miracle on 34th street was on tv and we watched it at some point um that's gonna be my second question is if you turned on a christmas movie what your parents like turn that shit off no i mean both of my parents like, like Christmas carols. My dad used to go carol, like used, so he, he used to ride horses and used, they like used to go as a group and go caroling. Um, and, and so I think it's, it, it's weird. Um, and so I, I, I think that I was exposed to a lot of the like social stuff with it, like the music and things, but like later on, I probably like found out about the belief system when I was old enough to be like, all right, well, that's, that's the thing. Hmm. Okay. I think we're going to chalk it up to to you not remembering, uh, because Santa is, is, is very common in the culture. And like the idea that, yeah, don't look over there. Don't, don't, we're not going to explain what this weird thing is because Santa fundamentally is an intrinsically weird. It's um, very strange. uh, Very strange. (laughs) But but like, I'm trying like, where, where is it in the culture? Commercials, movies, Every commercials, movies, CBS. you go to the mall, you see it, you see, I mean, you're going to see Santa every fucking where you go look at lights. And I mean, unless you're going to the most tasteful, classy place they you're going to blow up Santa, Santa Claus. Right. No, right? no, no. Now I mean, you like, will. But like, that wasn't super common in the eighties. Yeah. But, but no, the well. little, uh, the little plastic Santa things, sure. you know, like the stake down in the ground and like put in your, yeah. Yard, and and I guess what there. I'm saying is like, but that's, that's like a Santa decoration and yeah, my parents might have like said to me, "I can yeah, ask my mom remember. and find out." That's the answer. You don't remember because you're you're a very curious kid. You absolutely would be asking questions about those things. Sure, I, I would bet all the money in the world that like little you know four year old BJ is just like, "What is that weird guy I keep seeing?" <laughs> your, your parents <laughs> have, have to explain it. That's that's. I have another I, question that I think uh, I want to know an answer. So Spencer, uh, I feel like you have two things going on with your personality. One is that you are just two. Go on. Well, there are many things, but two, one, you're really smart and logical and you don't really tolerate bullshit. But the second is you love to be a good son and play along. How did these two things, how did this confluence go together with you, you starting to realize that Santa either wasn't real or telling your family, I I no longer believe in this. When did you spoil Santa for your sister? I was going to think about that because I was thinking about that the other day. It was one of my first lawyer, lawyer conversations I ever had with my dad was... I, I let me get this straight. 
I'll explain. Um, when it comes to, you know, Santa and whatever else, I made it through like age eight, nine, somewhere around there, probably. Because I actually really love magic and whimsy. And I really wanted to keep with it just because even if I was starting to have doubts about it, I just kind of had a lot of fun with it. I didn't want to yeah. give it up kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So that kept going. But then I had an honest conversation with my dad where, dad, this, is, this isn't really true, right? I mean, I love it. This is great. It's all fun. This isn't really true. And he's like, yeah, it's not really true. But pl- promise me you're not going to tell your sister. And I'm like, okay, I promise I will not tell her there isn't a Santa. Three days later, my sister asked Spencer, do you, do you believe in Santa? And I had that moment in my head of where I can't lie to my sister. He's a nice she guy. asked me whether I believe that is not what my orders and instructions are. I can tell her honestly that I don't, as long as I don't try to take it away from her. And so I told her, no, I really don't. But a lot of people do. He said something like that at age nine. Ruined it. And Jesus. Uh, you about literally just facepalmed. Yeah. Spencer. My, my sister immediately went to my dad. Of course. Spencer doesn't believe in Christmas. He's not, he's not going in Santa. He's not going to get any presents. But it went to be like a bullet. Like, I told you not to tell your sister this. And I, one of the moments where I was going to be like, a lawyer said, Dad, you instructed me to tell my sister that, uh, do not tell my sister there wasn't a Santa. Understood that fully. You've also been told me not to lie to my sister. Understood that fully. I found the best middle path that I could with respect to this. And I will do everything in my power to nourish and support her belief. That's almost the exact words I was using at age nine. But it was very much that kind of, you gave me two instructions and I tried to do the best I could to make the two of these square. Yeah. You, you need, they needed to give you out. You're like a nice said I like you can't, you just literally physically can't they need lie. to show you liar, liar, like really that's, early on. That's sort of unbelievable that you spoiled it three days later, Spencer. That was a crap. It was not good. It, I was really not trying to, but I was like, I have no, uh, there's no way out of this. I'm not going to lie to my sister about what I believe and what I feel. But at the same time, I want to try to phrase this in a way that doesn't take away from her. She kept going a while afterwards. It, 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 she was at least a couple of years after that that she kept believing in Santa. So I didn't. So did your dad? I, tell I didn't you kill it. Lying to your sister. Uh, my, my dad stayed in philosophy, Spencer. I understand what you did, but we're going to talk a little bit about how you can do this better next time. My uh, my dad was not was kind of a harsh guy when I was growing up, but he loved Christmas, and and it's the thing of Santa. He was so locked into. He was in law enforcement, and he was a captain of his district. And so he got on the CB radio or whatever, and that they used to communicate with each other, like, hey, 101 to 204, yeah, 10-4, that whole thing. And he got all of his people to say, okay, Santa's over Pequimans County right now. You know, he's on his way over to Edenton. Like he did that whole thing. And I remember that I was like, I, I was late when I finally came clean to him. I never really believed in Santa, like ever. I don't ever have a memory of believing it was real. I always remember thinking, this is bullshit, but I got to keep the facade up. And I went to him one day and told him I didn't believe in it. And he told me, okay, well, you'll get less presents now because the Santa presents you're not going to get. <laughs> so listen, kids, keep that shit up if your parents enjoy it. <laughs> also, kids, if you're listening to our podcast, ask your parents what they're doing with their lives that you're letting them. No, that, that's fine. you it. listen to this. That's okay. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah, go ahead, BG. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm sure this isn't, I mean, something that, that you remember believing in, but your sister's a bit younger than you are, as I remember. So like, was there that like, keep this up for your sister kind of thing? Thousand percent. Um, I don't have, you're absolutely right that I, I don't remember believing or not. I mean, I don't really know. Um, I, I imagine I did. I, yeah. I, I mean, a three-year-old's stupid. So I mean, they, they probably believe what their parents tell them. Um, yeah. But uh, they're definitely, I, I definitely have a distinct memory of, of asking my mom, what's going on with the Santa thing and her just being like, yeah, you're going to keep that to yourself. You don't tell your sister. Um, 
<laughs> and he'd be like, okay, fair enough. Um, Levi, you, so you weren't like like physically bound to a no lie oath. You were able to actually tell a fib to your sister. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Spencer, like I I, I want to believe that story. I also understand that we all tell lies. Uh, like we have internal monologues about our, about our own own yeah. self image, um, and that I I, I cannot believe nine year old Spencer's like oh let me let me go by the bylaws of our of our verbal agreement. Um, if it, I, it could be true, but I just don't know, man. There, there was a conscious conversation in my head at age nine of like, okay, what do I do now? I love Levi is so like realistic because like, obviously we all like screw up our memories and stuff. And so like, you'll tell Levi a story and like, he'll just cross his arms and be like, huh, maybe <laughs> you're like, fuck, that's what I remember. He's like, yeah, I know, but still, you know, might what, not be true. A, I mean, just what, what you remember, but going into this. I'm not sure I'll buy that. <laughs> like, fuck it. <laughs> I want to believe it's true. It's it, the world is is far more joyful and, and, and whimsical believing that there's a nine year old Spencer out, out there in the world sort of doing internal monologues about like whether I can lie to my sister. Um, that's I, I hope that's true. I just don't know. Um, well, but in any case, yeah, yeah, BD, you're, you're you're spot on. There definitely was a situation where like, yeah, Levi, how about you keep your mouth shut? And I, Have you ever done like played Santa? Because I feel like no. your sister could have roped that you into that. That's only a awful time, idea. Terrible idea. No, no, no. Levi no. goes along Levi with would certain, certain things that that like are a little bit surprising. You you don't have a family member play Santa. That ruins it, right? I mean, you, then you got to explain why the family member is like subbing in for Santa. I mean, you can come up with a story and kids will believe you because they're dumb. And um, your sister but, will know you, know your smell, know your. your no, no, no. Height, I meant for, your... for her kids. No, no, no. Not, yeah, for the wait, kids. Well, your sister will know your smell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what? I mean, you live. Yeah, you live in the same household. They're gonna know, like they they know things about you, like they know what you smell like, what you look like, what your your general height, your skin complexion. I mean, they're gonna be able to suss it out. Pheromones, BJ. Pheromones. Read science. Not wrong. Um, BJ, so- people have a certain. BJ's laughing like that's a weird thing. People have have a certain smell, and when you when you're young, especially when you're you're a small child, and you maybe pick the kid up, you carry him around, they're gonna know what you smell like. Anyway, um, so. I did not have that that situation, but there was a time post college where I like researched what the hourly rate was for for mall Santas and had like you know a little bit of an idea that hey you know would not would not hire Levi as mall Santa. No, Levi would do well ever. He's a clean criminal record. I mean, it's fine. Would not would not hire (laughs) at least as far as I know. Under under no circumstance, it would go well until it didn't. It would go well until a bad day. (laughs) He wasn't feeling it. Early going at, at you. That's uh, true for anything. Nope. Not doing <laughs> it. Not, I, I will hire Levi for a lot of positions. Mall Santa, not one of them. Kid, I, I kid, mo- kids love me. Kids love me, and I do well with kids. Uh, but you're absolutely spot on uh, uh, that there's an element of it could go off the rails. <laughs> yeah, it could. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say that like during the, the job interview, obviously you, you, there's, a, there's I, like I the 23rd be, when he's tired. And I don't think it'd be, be a kid interaction that would make it go off the rails. I oh, think that there would be a parent yeah. that, that comes in and he's just starts cursing out a parent worst, in front of the entire line of kids. But I, I think on, on an average day, Levi would do better than any of us at this job. I just think it would blow up more spectacularly when it comes to Levi than some of the rest of us. I just feel like there might be a situation where like there's a young kid there and then like there's multiple like races and then like Levi's trying to explain like, well, you like, let me explain to you like the whole racial situation of the United States or gender differences or socioeconomic issues. Like he, like, there might be a situation where they just kind of like, let me explain a little bit too much to this kid. And then the parent gets angry and then he tells the parent to fuck off. 
and it becomes bad Santa three. I feel like it's a little bit more of like, have you heard the word and gospel of our Lord and savior, Jesus, and let me play you some of his tunes or or something weird like that. Now, Terry, I mean, there's, there's a a, a very correct element there, right? Like there's a kid that comes in, who's like got a rich family whose name, like Braden or something, something annoying. And they're asking for, what a good good rich kid name. They're they're asking for a ton of gifts. And then, you know, they finally like (laughs) cherry on top. Oh yeah. And and in my stocking, I want a drone. And I'm like, well, leave some gifts for the rest of us. One percenter. Um, And (laughs) you see that kid behind you. That's a, that's a black kid. You've never seen those before. Let me explain to you something. And then like all of a sudden the the whole fucking mall is a a wreck. Yeah. It's going to be a bad, it's going to be a problem. Um, Okay. Back to the movie. (laughs) Long interlude, returning. <laughs> Back to the movie. Uh, I don't think we need to go beat by beat through this movie. Everybody knows the general premise. The kid gets picked up by the Polar Express, gets taken to the North Pole. He sees Santa, the whole well, deal. He has a golden ticket. <clears throat> How are you going to gloss over that that the, the, the magic kid has a magic golden ticket that lets him go to magic land? Well, it's a it's a magic Christmas movie. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's B- BJ, you just don't have Gene Wilder. There's, it's an there's, unfortunate. There's magical elements mm. to it. Um, I, and then you know, of course, Santa, Santa, the Christmas gets saved. No. Santa's able to go. The elves all scream and cheer. Kid gets taken back. Um, question for the panel: Is the entire thing a dream? He it can't have a be. There, there's the there's the bell that he has. Right. The the bell is meant to be the sign that it wasn't all a dream after all. There is a physical artifact, and it has a magical ongoing effect on his life, and briefly at least those around him. So no, it it is not a dream. If it is process belief that makes it real, sure. Movie and story suggest that, but it certainly happens for him. So is uh, Tom Hanks God in this movie because he is the father, the son, and and a holy ghost? We'll have a different pod where we explain Jesus to you. Um, <laughs> that's not quite how it works. That was vaguely intimidating. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have, we'll do we'll do a whole like let's explain Jesus to, and we'll do explain Santa too because it sounds like that never happened growing up. So we'll talk about Santa too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here, here's something I want to talk about. The reviews at the time discussed and people have since. Animation on the humans. Does it work for you or did you fall very hard down in the uncanny valley? Because this was ahead, early motion ahead, capture go animation. Ahead, crush it. I'm going to go get more coffee. You guys just crush it. Uh, it's horrifying. I mean, the, it, it, it's a short answer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you can get, you can get the headphones off in like time. That. It's absolutely horrified. Come on now. It's, it's just not good. I mean, there's a charm to it, right? And when these sorts of things become traditions in a family, you, you watch sure. it and you like it, right? The teeth? Uh, oh, my God, the teeth? They are teeth so the freaky. Eyes. Teeth in the eyes. Oh, bad. man. I mean, the skin's bad. The skin is like Botox. Like, like it, 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 it is dead. There's yes. no emotion. Um, it's ab- absolutely horrible. But I mean, it's horrible in like a hokey way, um, which is like ultimately a. That's why the movie is successful, right? It's because it has this sort of charm to it, even though it's it's objectively horrifying, right? Like we don't look at Beowulf and say, "Oh, isn't that a pleasant movie to watch?" Um, which is by the same director in the same studio. He just had that style, I guess. Zemeckis I just feel like. Doing- I feel like there was a moment in time where this was acceptable animation. It, it's time stamped more than a lot of movies are based yeah, on the technology. I, I was reading critics at the time. And even at the time, critics were saying, this is corpses being moved around the screen. 
in terms of what they were saying this looked like. I mean, I mean that's might have been like one critic. I mean, like, I don't know. When you say that, I don't know how to accept that because that could like there. How many Spencer people as, as, as a 20-year-old writing that it seems like Corpse is writing around and he is the critic that he references all no! the time. It's a wildly <laughs> successful kids movie, so it obviously doesn't look like corpses walking around the street. It had a fifty-five percent of Rotten Tomatoes when it came out. It was a controversial kids movie when it came out. And Terry, it wasn't successful. It actually it actually bombed initially. Um, it it wasn't a commercially successful movie. I was uh, I was reading some LA Times article about it, and I, everyone was 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 you know up in arms about how how terribly it did in the box office um, compared to expectations. Um, it's it's come around and become sort of basically a cult classic. But I I don't know. It it wasn't successfully um, it wasn't thought of as a success initially, either from the critics or from a commercial standpoint. And Spencer, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I just don't know how to disentangle what I imagine in like 2005 was like a, a, a reactionary concern of computers and their role in, in cinema by, by critics at the time, right? Um, it could it could well be that, but like I mean, seeing it, at best disconcerting, at worst a wee bit horrifying. Rolling Stone, a failed and lifeless experiment. New York you Times, guys are just saying no stuff. Drink the company Wait a second, like you guys are just saying stuff like they're fact. I mean, Levi, the 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 budget was one hundred sixty five million dollars. It made two hundred eighty six million dollars. It made a hundred over a hundred million dollars more than its budget in the in the theater. Which, which like, is traditionally lo- losing money by Hollywood accounting because it doesn't take into account advertising other bloat. So you're just saying stuff like this is this is an, uh, impossible to argue against you guys because you're just saying no, it was a failure. Period. Like how to like it's obviously not a failure movie. We watch it all the time. It made a hundred million dollars. People, how many people have bought this on uh, Apple Movies or have bought the DVD? This movie obviously it's when you say it's a cult classic by definition it's successful because people are still watching it. People still care about it. What? It's not corpses walking around on the screen. That's a crazy thing to say. So people obviously don't think that otherwise it wouldn't be as popular as it is. Like maybe some critics said that somewhere, but that, that, that is not the reality for the vast majority of people who watch this film. Bang. Well, you got, you got three here that disagree with you fundamentally on the subject of that. And the fact that people like it as a classic is often just directly driven by what age did you see it at? And there's a whole collection of people that grew up with this as being their Christmas film. And they view it that lens. That's why people tolerated the Rudolph puppets for so long is because they saw it as a kid and that became their default Christmas movie. Despite the fact that, you know, watching it in retrospect, it's kind of crap. Can we go back to you saying that by Hollywood accounting, if you've made $120 million on your film, it lost money. Where did you come up with that? Like what calculator no, have, are you, have you using? Have you ever looked up Hollywood accounting in terms of how? In terms, what are you? What are you using? Lord like, of the Rings lost it. money. Lord of the Rings lost money in terms of Hollywood accounting. The basis of any basis of almost any film that goes out in Hollywood is for the purpose of losing money, so they can use it for that purpose. It's also to screw over anybody that actually was stupid enough to negotiate. I get a certain percentage of the profit at the end of this picture. Star Wars is officially ranked as one of the most failed movies according to Hollywood, despite how much money it made. So Hollywood accounting is legendary in the legal. Well, then you ju- you just undercut your but, entire but, argument but, because it but, sounds like but, it's stupid. But, but but let me finish. When it comes Oof. to when it comes when it comes to the success of a film, the general standard by which they assess it, given the idea of distribution rights, given the idea that the theater takes a significant portion of the overall profits and they never make it back to the studio, given the addition of marketing that isn't typically included in the actual film budget, you need to actually make double back your budget to actually make money on the film when it comes to the bottom line. That is accepted. I can send you articles on that subject. So just for reference, two other the two other major maybe animated feature films of 2004 both did better than it. Uh, the, the main one that did better than it, which is funny, is Shark's Tale because it has a worse rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and 
in terms of uh, box, box office. So overall, Shark Tale did 160 million in North America, 213 internationally. Well, that and- failed by Hollywood accounting. So fuck that shit. That just like that might as well just burned money like in a big pile in the center of the room. <laughs> did how much did it make? <laughs> Failure. I mean, well, gross versus net. Anyway, this, but, but this is actually how this works. There's been a lot of lawsuits in the point of Hollywood accounting, but specifically about this film. Oh, sorry, it, and the Incredibles. So yeah, I but, mean, like, what? Yeah, Incredibles. Yeah, I'm yes. not. I, I'm not like what I, I guess. What I'm pushing back on, Spencer, is that you're saying like it, it failed by Hollywood accounting, and so did Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. Like what? What? You were asking what Hollywood accounting was <laughs> when explaining that. It's this film cra- itself. Like it, it's an interesting other- example. One other factor you're leaving out for this film is how many times it's been re-released and how much that's added to its total as well. This film's actually supplemented its earnings substantially. It's contributed to the fact that it's now viewed as a Christmas classic just because they've been they've been releasing it almost annually in theaters so that it continued to boost its numbers. That also needs to be taken into account in terms of what its original run was versus what it's made since. So, so Terry, um, I hear you. I, I, I understand why your reaction uh, reacting to this. Let me just read from you. I, this is the LA Times article from 2004 uh, during the release. Um, when it came out. When it came out. Um, You're not used to people telling you they disagree with you, are you, Spencer? I'm hey, used to finding hey, you. You, 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 you flared with like, anger there when I questioned your Hollywood well. accounting. You, 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 I think your job has gotten you to really punchy. This is not me punchy. This is me responsive. You want me punchy? Let's give it a few more minutes. Yeah, well, let's get there because that's a silly thing to say that Star Wars was a failure. This it is. is. This it was is quotes. These are quotes by people at the time, Terry. At the time, I'm not saying it hasn't made a, a, a crap ton of money after the fact. At the time, the way people think of things in terms of Hollywood, which in and of itself is problematic, um, they, they're saying uh, it's a disaster. Oh, that's so horrible about Polar Express. Thank God I don't have a client in that movie. I mean, these these are things people are saying at the time about the movie. Um, it was not well received at the time. Critics didn't like it. It didn't, didn't make a ton of money. It's come around. It's basically a cult classic from from a a, a Hollywood um, or from a, a holiday movie perspective. It, it wasn't like a big hit. Fair enough. I mean, I'm not saying that it was like Shrek, um, but I'm saying just like I, I guess like the where I punch back like is Shrek like too. is like the it seems like what we're saying is. It's a failure. Let me define failure. It is in the moment, immediately when it was released, according to Hollywood accounting. Like there, there's like a very specific way that we're all trying to define failure here. When we look at the entire picture, it obviously wasn't because it's it still got run. It's still making money. Like it, it obviously came around. So maybe maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like most arguments, yes. When it first was released, it didn't do as well as people thought. People were weirded out by the animation. But if you look at it in the entire picture, it's pretty preposterous to say that the movie's a failure 20 years later or whatever it is. One of the points we started with was uh, respect to the animation on this. And it, I think one of the things that also doesn't work out well for it is just how differently they did the animation on the world versus they did on the characters. The characters are very clearly early motion capture technology. It's motion capture te- technology largely on adults. Is that where they do the balls? On you, mm-hmm. the dots. yeah, they do the, ball, the balls and the screen cap, and you can't okay. particularly at the time they couldn't screen cap eyes, teeth, or anything other than just the outline of the skin, which caused some problems there as well. And it, it's unfortunate because it sets off because the artwork is very much inspired by the book when it comes to the surroundings, when it comes to the train, and it works out very beautifully. It has a certain kind of a haze of a dream attached to it, which fits well for this film. And then the animation on the adult on the on the adults and the kids is attempting to be a certain element of photorealistic, and it it just it doesn't work because. A, the technology wasn't there, and B, I don't think it fits with 
the kind of dreamlike quality of the outside worldscapes and landscapes in the terrain that they were otherwise going for. So that's not only just a technology issue, I think that's a bit of a art directing decision, which I think didn't work out as well for them. Um, well, I'm not going to say that I love the the human animation. I mean, I'm, I'm not stupid, right? I, I see that it, it wasn't great. Um, I, I, but I don't think the animation is a complete failure because of there's some other things that like, so if it, it feels like to me when people review this movie, they say, God, I didn't like how the humans looked. Like they, they go right there and they stop. They don't say, well, when you get to the North Pole, it's visually fucking stunning and beautiful. And when Santa's taken off in his sleigh and all the all the, the elves are there and you see the whole background and all the Christmas lights and the big sack of gifts, that's gorgeous too on the screen. So to me, the animation is not a complete failure because there are moments where it looks really, really good and it's really... Um, uh it really captures like a christmas element and, and the christmas visuals really well but i'll i'll, I'll agree with you the, the human stuff not great bj sent around top 20 christmas movies of all time by entertainment weekly entertainment weekly uh obviously we have to take seriously here so so i will say that i did find a couple of lists that have polar express uh actually in the top 50 um, it is one behind uh, the nightmare before Christmas, appropriately on uh, IMDb's list, um, and on uh, uh, twenty nine on Esquire uh, in terms of ranking. Uh, I think on every list, this is behind Die Hard. Just I have a question for Levi. Levi, you're a well known liberal. Did you appreciate the diversity of the children on the on the train? <laughs> Uh, yeah, big, big liberal guy. I'm a, I'm a big, uh, big, big libtard soy boy. That's what they call me in the hood. Um, That's what I'm trying to, you know, get that perspective, you know. Uh, I thought the diversity was perfectly fine. I mean, there, there are some movies that sort of go over the top in terms of like forced diversity. I thought this is perfectly fine. Um, Good. Uh, me too. I liked it. So, so what boxes do you think it ticked? I'm not going there, BJ. Um, okay. But, but uh, well, the I, black the black girl's the smartest girl on the on the train, so they gave her they gave her that. I like that. She's the leader. Yeah, but the animation on her is is weaker than than the white characters. If I'm being completely honest, do we really animation think that? Her was not great? No, it was not great. It was it was worse. Uh, it, it, mm. it seemed distinctly worse compared to some the, the other three, well, two or three of the group that were moving yeah, together. I just kind of lump them together. I don't know. I mean, maybe you're right. I don't know. It just seems all kind of the same to me, which is the humans aren't great. I, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, I think that Tom, Tom uh, Hanks is a pretty good voice actor. I mean, obviously he's a professional. He does good at whatever he does, but I thought he did a pretty good job. And the fact that they had him singing, God knows what they had to pay Tom Hanks to get him to sing. Cause he is not, he's not like a Broadway guy. Um, so I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting too. I can't find the exact numbers, but um, what I can see is that they had uh, $40 million to Zemeckis and Hanks split between them. Um, and then uh, 35% of the, uh, the, what they call first dollar gross going between Zemeckis and, and, and Tom Hanks. So he got a pretty, pretty sweet little contract to basically play all the characters in <laughs> In this movie, but by Hollywood accounting, he only pocketed about twelve bucks. So no, he negotiated. Remember that he, did, he negotiated gross. That's, that's how he avoided that. Now always negotiate gross, never profit. Is this legal advice? Is, is that what I'm yeah. hearing? This Spencer? is strong legal advice for people that are going into Hollywood. Never ever try to get get paid based on profit. They will screw you over every point. There are countless lawsuits on the subject. 
Yeah, Spencer just recently um, this was... Is why, this, this is why Alec Guinness and Obi-Wan Kenobi made a lot of money, money in that film, despite it being a lost leader, according to Hollywood. Steve negotiated for gross. That's right. Star Wars, everybody. Lose, big loser. Lost a lot of money. Um, yeah, according to Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Surely did. Uh, so <laughs> Spencer actually recently, I don't know if you guys know this, represented Scarlett Johansson in her lawsuit against Disney. Did you guys know that? <laughs> Well, she she got screwed over on terms of the distribution. Uh, I, I was, that, was fun, look, that was a fun lawsuit. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up. I was kind of with her on that. Am mm-hmm. I crazy no, there, no. Spencer? No, no, I was right with her. If it was if it was part of the terms that she was negotiated with, they really did much screw over with something that's becoming much more. It's an issue that needed to be brought up, and it needed to be brought up in a legal setting to address going forward. And I was yeah. So people who don't know the background, basically, she negotiated payment based on I think. So, some some percentage of how the movie did in theaters and they because of covid just released it on disney plus and she was like hey what the fuck like and i thought that was kind mm-hmm. of a fair point yeah now the um the gut reaction is to say her lawyers suck uh, and they they should, should have thought through this um the part that i thought was really interesting though is it's the fact that i mean this contract would have been negotiated what in like 2019 2018 this is before mm-hmm. the idea of first first to streaming wasn't really a thing except yeah. for very niche situations like it, it, it hadn't become commonplace uh covet hadn't happened um so i would imagine at that point it's it i, I get it difficult Karen, to predict yeah i gotta say bj bj sent around i know i'm all over the place bj sent this entertainment weekly list over number one is santa claus with tim allen as the best christmas know. movie of all time it's a tim, solid film you're okay with that is it no that's number 20 no okay no, no, number, number, number one, one is it's a wonderful life okay i'm okay <laughs> <laughs> i'll calm it down it would have been an odd choice for number one i think it's a uh, santa claus is a fine movie but I, yeah not top 20 yeah no and then christmas story number two that's perfectly acceptable um charlie brown christmas three elf four i think it's a little high for elf mm-hmm. a little yeah. high for elf how the grinch stole christmas yeah this is not a bad list ultimately there's some good stuff on here uh, muppet christmas carol number 13 let's bring that up while we're doing christmas movies um uh you spencer are you okay with that top 20 muppet christmas carol it's a wonderful film i will i really like it i really really uh, like it when, when it comes to polar express the one character i want to talk about uh the hobo uh oh, the hobo, yeah. is, an, hobo, hobo. is very much an, is very much an addition from the book and he pl- he plays it probably more expanded role than almost any of the adults when it comes to this conduct conductor's mostly just doing his job around the kids the hobo is almost serving as a guide and guardian what did you guys think about his addition to the story did it feel integral or did it feel kind of extraneous i think i i firmly positioned myself against you on this podcast i think you're wrong in all about ways everything. you can i think yes. you're wrong about everything you said but i'm also going to agree with you i think that was a stretch that that stretched the that was a stretch for the plot right it, i felt like his stuff was where they were just pulling the movie and I, I kind of was like waiting for it to be over. Uh, Levi? can't disagree with that logic, um, right? Because uh, the immediate reaction is like, how are you going to negotiate him surviving out there on the exterior of the train? And and the response to that is, well, you just don't focus any time on that and don't have it in the movie. Uh, <laughs> he, he, and we don't address it. And, and big, from a, he's a from vague a, ghost spirit thing. From a, from a plot perspective, is it actually moving forward the plot? Any of the hijinks that he gets to uh, on the exterior of the train, uh, and the answer is no. Um, no, it, it, it's just another sort of magics out there in the world thing. Um, yeah, I I hadn't thought about this before you guys brought it up, but I, it doesn't make sense in the movie. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm on your side. Yeah, it's just it's a stretch. You say this wasn't in the book, the hobo. No, but basically none of the adults were in the book. The only adult was briefly with the conductor, but he's a very minor role. He's just on the train. 
and otherwise it's very much just about the kids and the images that pass by. It's a 32 page story. It's, so this it, kind it, of sounds like a wheel of time situation where they, the, 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 the movie or TV show is nothing like the book BJ. Um, uh, yeah, exactly like that. Uh, the, the, the parents show up at the end. Santa has a role. There's the conductor. And otherwise it's just our main character. We really don't even spend that much time with the other kids in the book. It's very much his own individual story. I felt like they were trying to establish like almost like a villain, but then they wanted to do a heel, a face turn for you, heel to face. Um, so it was a very, I don't know. I, I wasn't, a, I, there. I can love a movie and still like have moments of it where I'm like, yeah, let's get that over with. Of course. Um, and so that, that's a part where I wanted to get it over with. And but quite honestly, like most of the first hour, maybe 45 minutes um, I, are a, are a B minus, but the last maybe 15 to 30 minutes is such a, it, like, a plus cubed that it, it skews it so high for well, me. And I'm, I'm actually right there with you. Last 15 months is very much, let's talk about what the actual theme of the book was and let's do it now. We've gone through the journey. We've gone through all the exciting adventures so we can do everything else. Let's talk about the theme of belief in Christmas. So let's focus on that from here. That was well sold and well done for that last little bit of it. Quite liked it. Otherwise, there's a lot of things that were thrown in there that just didn't feel either necessary or even sometimes consistent with what they wanted to do. Like, why is there the weird, horrifying puppet car? What That's was that addition for? It's no, horrifying. That was horrifying. The little Definitely. Scrooge doll thing that goes after the kid at one point. Why? Why was that in there? I don't think that was horrifying. I have a question for has everybody seen White Christmas, the old Bing Crosby movie? Yeah. Mm, and there's a lot, so. there's a lot of there's a lot a lot of Bing Crosby songs in this. Yeah, um, I was just gonna ask, like, because I just saw that as an adult and I was you know, I know it's like a a, a sort of classic. I was just kind of wondering if you it was in the zeitgeist for you all as classic Christmas movies growing up, because it wasn't for me. Very much so here. Yeah, I saw it several times growing up. BJ, Levi's saying no. Um, BJ, BJ, yeah, kind of. I mean, like, I, I think I've seen Miracle on 34th Street, like, bits of it many years. Uh, I think there are, like, one or two others that I've seen. But, like, it's not not a big theme in my household. If uh, (laughs) that might be a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, that's um, fair. I'm just looking at this this list that you sent around, and I some of them are kind of popping off as like, man, they those like it's got Miracle on 34th Street, or I'm sorry, White Christmas as like 14, and I'm like, ah, I feel like White Christmas like pound for pound has been really important in the American Christmas movie zeitgeist. Sure. True. Um, what did you all think of the the steerage car that like the poor kid had to be in for like? What? Why? Why was he back there? What do you mean steerage? The back, the back low quality yeah. train of the car, or in a boat, the very front. It's the it's the poor passenger selection of the train or or boat. I don't remember that part. Maybe I just blocked that what, out. You remember the little the poor kid with the boots that gets on the train? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember how he's always sitting off in another train car by himself for the start of it? I mean, what they're doing with it is getting him to trust and develop friendships. And so they're starting him in a low point so that he can then develop and improve from there, whatever else. But it was a kind of a weird thing that they put him in the car. They basically aim to leave him behind to start then he gets put in a car by himself for most of the first half of the film this said first half of the film i did not love i'm okay with a little classism i mean you know we work hard for our money <laughs> thank you for laying it out <laughs> sometimes i want the nicer things <laughs> it, 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 they're, they're purposely trying to start him low so they can bring him up and it, his journey is about establishing friends and trusting others and having a sense of you know I mean, I guess I feel like he could have been on like the last seat by himself and like rather than in like the sad car that doesn't get anything. I mean, I guess it looks cold. No, no hot chocolate for him. Maybe that's why you had to have it. Like he doesn't get a hot chocolate. So so the 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 black girl gets to take 
like Whoa. save some hot chocolate for him. Like, and then you have the super scary crossing uh, between train cars and well, yeah, that's, that's the sometimes obligatory. scary. You have, to have that that's obligatory scene, right? You jump in between train cars and the scariness of that. I thought I actually think that worked for me. Um, a question for y'all. Um, so a lot of times these cult classic movies, right? They will, um, especially if there's a musical element, they will do like a stage play of it because you know you just play off the nostalgia of it. People will pay mm-hmm. a ticket to see it. Um, any chance you all would go pay uh, to see a stage play of Polar Express? I mean, I wouldn't have. And the question's more for you, Spencer, because you're like really one of the only people like on the on the pod that seem to like like musicals, Broadway, that sort of thing. I, I mean, I had to be sold to see a stage play of Lion King, and that turned out to be magical. So it it it, it really just depends on the production. It could be amazing what a stage play can pull off. That it's just does its own thing in a way that can be very unique and memorable. So I'd be at least open to the idea, just because I've been very much surprised before, and what a stage play could even add on to the original in terms of what what it brings to bear. Levi, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't I go see a stage production of Polar Express? Polar Express. Uh, so I don't have, again, my enjoyment of Polar Express is purely through the enjoyment that kids have in it. Like, I don't have like, mm-hmm. a, a native attachment to it. Um, I didn't realize it was a book. Um, like I didn't read that growing up or have it read to me uh, growing up. Um, and I don't like stage plays. So <laughs> it's a rough sell. I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of, a lot of reasons to go. Um, so the answer is going to be a hard no. Um, now, if 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 my partner really wanted me to go with her, uh, I'd I'd go, but I would have no internal drive to to do that. Okay. Um, qu- qu- question about uh, another character, um, the conductor. The conductor it seems like he goes on a bit of a journey in just terms of how we experience him. Of where very much for like the first half of the film, he's a bit of a prick. Uh, he's very he's very prickly. He's not really caring much about the kids. He, he he's he's supposed to inject drama and fear into the children. That that's like the only thing that that he's there for. Because otherwise, you're scared of them dying, and that makes it a very different movie. So there's the there has to be the fear of authority, because otherwise, as you said, Spencer, it's much more of a horror than it is uh, a Christmas movie. It was just an interesting characterization of where he, there, he's, he's, for most of the film, he's portrayed as a threat. He's portrayed as an adversary. He's portrayed as a possible hostile thing that may take the magic of Christmas away from them. I just don't know. I, Baji, I guess you're right. It's to give some kind of an external, an external villain at least for the start. But yeah, you have to have tension like somewhere. Odd right? decision. Yeah, you have to have Do tension you? somewhere. Yeah, I think so. I mean, other, I mean, you know, the complaint here is that it, it stretched. It was a little long. Sometimes it was boring. So I think it was an attempt by the writers to inject some sort of interest in some of those early scenes. Maybe it didn't work for you, but I mean, I think that was the attempt. Particularly with respect to him, it just felt totally inconsistent with what the film kind of wanted to be about the magic of Christmas, that you just have this guy that's constantly threatening to take it away from them and browbeating them about, you know, any degree of action they take that's not perfectly in keeping with his time keep with his time frame. Well, yeah, but, but he does they, have the hot chocolate hookup. It's scary until they tell the truth, and then he's like, okay. But the moral of the story is we need to maintain the lie about Santa Claus. So I'm not sure like what you're supposed to take away from this movie. That Christmas is wonderful, BJ, <laughs> and you keep it in your heart all year long. Damn it. Um, but but the celebration of Saturnalia is taking away for your direct love of, of Jesus. You're you know, supposed, th- th- this you're is, supposed this to hold Christmas, Christmas in your heart. Is. And it's going to help you in your interactions. All it's the a year, pagan all ritual the year that is long. taking away from the love of Jesus. Uh, okay, well, I can tell that, that you guys <laughs> you, love this you, film. You, you, 
honestly, I, I felt like in some ways that might have been the hobo's role was to add a certain element of religiosity to it, of where he they even make references at times that he may be an angel. He may be a certain element of just a supernatural spirit that is investing in terms of good of this. I almost kind of pondered whether that was a certain element of bringing an element of religion into what is otherwise a fairly non-religious holiday in terms of the you know experience of Santa about Christmas. And I, and I always had wondered growing up what the relationship between Jesus and Santa was. I remember asking my parents that and they didn't have a real good answer for me. Anybody, anybody get a good answer for that? What, what Jesus and Santa had to do with each other? I, I, my, I think I was given a bit of like history about St. Nick and in terms of that origins, whatever else, but otherwise that, that's a struggle of a conversation to ever make. Yeah. It's a hard, hard connection to make. Levi, did you ever get that connection? Yeah. The St. Nick thing was, was thrown out there. Um, so, sort of, I, I immediately was like, well, I mean, I'm, I was raised Methodist. We don't really have saints. So like, what's, yeah, what does this got to do with me? Um, <laughs> no St. Christopher medal for you. Yeah. No, so like, it, you just die if you're Methodist. It is like <laughs> <nothing>. <laughs> Not quite. No. Um, yeah. It was always, it was always sort of like a hand wave sort of like, ah. I thought it was like the, the, ah. like the presence that, that, that get show that that the <laughs> wise men that, yeah. bring and then you know that sort of like you know no, no, you go... role for now okay the, the consistent parental mm-hmm. response to anything related to santa is just hand wave don't go into the details more you get into the details you're asking for problems. the only thing you can do as far as details for santa this is just life lessons with lead to all the young parents out there is time zones most of the time with kids when they first start questioning santa they'll be like five and then you can talk about time zones and say, well, they don't have to do it all at once. You know, t- the time zones shift through the year. So that's ki- or through the through the planet. So that's kind of how they get it done. I remember that explanation very clearly to a lot of kids. And it would extend the Santa myth for another year or two where they go, oh, well, OK, well, the time sort of like the time shifts as it, as it goes. So he has more time than I was originally thinking. So, yeah, maybe this whole thing makes sense. My parents just went with the magic explanation. Much better idea. Don't try to assign detail to this. Don't break down a logical pattern. Don't say all the magic. Well, that's because they had you. you. Stay- Spencer, you're, you're not going to do NORAD tracking. Sure. Like, you, you know, you're not going to, you know, follow the NORAD website and see where Santa is. At, yeah. No, I never took that seriously. No, at no age did I take the NORAD tracking seriously. I never took the thing what my dad was doing with the, the radio with all of his people, which, by the way, I, I just think about like that was how a really nice gesture. It yeah. was indeed. But I just think about how miserable his lieutenants had to be like on Christ, like Christmas <laughs> Eve. They've got to be at their fucking radio. Well, but like, also like yeah, they yeah, had they to have kids themselves. Too. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, Not a, some of them did. Some of them didn't. Right. So I, some of them had kids that were older. Like I, I it's an interesting thing for your boss to make you do. Hey, Christmas Eve, I'm going to need you to like sit by your radio. <laughs> answer my calls because we're going to keep this myth up about Santa to my kids. I never believed it, but I loved that my dad was so engaged. So I was like locked into it. I was like, yeah, are we doing it this year? Like, let's, let's do it. it, it like, and maybe that's the lesson there, right? Is it like, sometimes the, like the, the, the Santa thing, even if your kids don't know, it's like fake, the effort and excitement from the parents sometimes can pull them along into the story and keep them sort of engaged and excited. Speaking of which, that was sort of an interesting maybe even sad thing that they had at the very end with the bell that, that like Freak the parrot. Um, and it was just like, and, and to your point that, you know, having kids helps you believe in the magic of Christmas. And, and what they're really saying is like the magic of Christmas isn't like bringing families together, or whatever else it's believing in Santa, that Santa brought your presents. 
<laughs> which is kind of great for, for the moral of the story. Uh, it is ultimately kind of a selfish holiday a little bit. I mean, you know, people get into the whole, like, it's better to give than to receive. But like, I mean, what kid like gets excited about Christmas? Cause they're like, man, I cannot wait to give a gift this, this man. I'm what? so excited to give something. Well, one thing I actually kind of liked is that I felt it, I felt it was important is the parents still uh, have an understanding of the value of the magic of Christmas and they want to maintain it even if they can't feel it yeah. themselves anymore. They're doing it for others. And I feel like that's a way it really persists is that the parents are doing it out of the joy their children have for it. Mm-hmm. They're doing it for that kind of experience, even if they can't feel it inside themselves in, in the same way. I think it's kind of what they were going for. It's the parents at the very beginning were lamenting that oh, he's getting a little bit old. The magic might go away. And they're sad about that. Yeah. And at the yeah. end, the fact that they don't experience themselves in no way takes away the value and the magic they still feel, you know, through now their children. Spencer, do you still get excited about Christmas? Do you still like have some sort of like ma- like a magical thing about Christmas that you get like hyped about? Absolutely. Even more so when there are children around. Levi? Like when- yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, I do. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's through kids or like giving gifts to other people, right? Like the, the, the getting a gift, like I've, it, hell yeah, it's well established. It, you don't like that shit. Do not give Levi a fucking gift. It's been like 20 years since I've been like, hey, 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 mom, how about we don't give me a gift here? Um, this is ridiculous. Um, right there with you. Like I, she, she doesn't get the message and she keeps Damn it up. Nice. Um, like I, for the past like 10 years or so, uh, she's asked me what I wanted for Christmas and I will buy the thing for myself. Uh, and, and, and then she will like, it, it'll be a long to do about her saying, how much was it? I want to buy this for you. And I'm like, no, it's but weird. you like giving gifts, right? Absolutely. Okay. But so you recognize that like, maybe in order for people to feel the same joy, they have to buy you something. Yeah, but I'm different. Okay. Have you, have you considered yeah, that? Yeah. All right. Just establish it. Spencer, I'm sorry. I, I did cut you off earlier. You were saying that you, you would get more excited when kids are around for Christmas. I'm kind of with you. You want to finish that thought? No, it's probably the reason I always try to make it home for Christmas, just so I can see my nieces and nephews just frolic among the presents, just be, you know, overwhelmed with excitement that you can't help but feel is contagious. I will say that as a person who is, who has moved to, to, to the great uh, polar North, um, I don't understand how people in Florida celebrate Christmas. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Like what? What about like the, the entire southern hemisphere? That it's the middle of summer. Yeah, if you if you haven't seen a wreath that's not real, palm tree sure. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that um, is how hemispheres work. Yes, like regular um, real. barbecues in, in in Australia, like they're in flip flops and. <laughs> nah, that's right. No, is that no, like a toilet spin in a different way too? Like that, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's all the Simpsons. The Simpsons have lied to you guys. This is ridiculous. <laughs> It it really becomes how much you associate snow and cold with Christmas and the holiday. I mean, Coca-Cola did a really good job of having a red fat man with with snow everywhere, you know? It wouldn't lie to us. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, You you guys remember that one Corona ad they do every year where it's a guy uh, whistling a Christmas tune and he lights up the palm tree on the beach? Yeah. Very much that kind of thing for Christmas. I'm going to enjoy Christmas in Florida when I move to Florida. I can't wait. <laughs> Warm Christmas out out in shorts. Let's do it. All right. I think we've covered a wide array of topics. Today. <laughs> well, and spent about as much time on uh, Polar Express as it was enjoyable. So. Oh. Uh, yeah. It's mean. Final oh, grades? One, la- oh, sure. one more thing. Go ahead. Spencer, you do one more thing. Final grades are good. Let's go. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, BJ, final grade. Uh, I feel like I should be charitable and give it a C minus. Give it that that Christmas C. The the Christmas spirit is alive. Christmas Christmas C C minus. Spencer, final grade for this failure of a film. 
I think a C, C minus, probably about where I'd rank it. I can understand very much that if I would, if I'd watched this when I was like four or five, or like you, if I'd taken a four year five year old to it, I'd probably have a much more positive view just from their effervescent excitement. But watching it at this age for the first time, coming off the book, it, it didn't, it didn't ring very true for me. I do want to establish that the nephew I took to this hated it, but he hates everything. Hell? He hates I did everything. not anticipate that. He doesn't like anything. He's one of these people that doesn't like anything. So it's not really a condemnation of the movie. He he. I could never get him excited about anything. I don't think he likes me. So it, it, I wasn't like super like excited through his eyes, but I watched it, thought, man, it's a really good Christmas movie. All right, are we going C or C minus, Spencer? I'll go to a C minus just for the first half. The first half I think was rough. I'd almost give the, the second half going approaching a B in terms of what it pulled off or even like maybe like the last fourth. I feel like with, with some good editing, this this could have been a, a much higher, like Spencer, as you were saying, like a short, yeah, an a short animated film. Short, I think this could sell very well. Like the snowman, that term is short film. Yeah. Spencer, have you ever said, like, have you ever read something and then watched an adaptation and then not said the book was better? I mean, yes. maybe, maybe you thought it, but didn't said say it. it. Said it, that might be a bit of a struggle. Thought it, yeah, there have been adaptations I thought that were better. But Levi, what's your grade? Uh, B, strong B. Um, it's it's heavily mediated by the fact that it, it was it was one of my nephew's uh, favorite movies, and, and he still has like an intrinsic love for it. Um, so sort of spending time with him around the holidays and 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 watching his the, the sort of joy in his in his eyes as he watches a movie he loves, and at a time of year that brings him so much joy as a small kid, gives gives it a B because I've got a big heart and I'm a giving man. Um, unlike you you Grinches to do C minuses and Cs, this is ridiculous. Sort of an unbelievable grade for this movie. I give it a B plus. Um, which probably lower than you guys thought I was going to do. Uh, but I, uh, I recognize its faults. It's not a perfect movie, but like, I, uh, I just get frustrated when something does something really, really well. And then I'm talking to people and all they want to talk about is the thing it didn't do well. It's like there, it did some things really, really well. I and like, that. it seems like, it seems like the, 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 we're leading with the, with the kick of, I didn't like the people as opposed to, well, there is some animation that works really well with it. So I, I don't know. Um, I agree with you, me, Lee, but, but it, it's tough for me when it's slow and, and when when the really good stuff is such a minor portion of it. I don't think the I don't no. think the the North Pole was a minor portion of it, but um, it okay. Well, I think time to get there. Uh, well, Spencer disagrees. Uh, all right, so we're at. <laughs> I think we're at collectively something like a C plus, maybe B minus um, for the film. It seems about right considering the conversation and considering the the reaction. Right, I don't this. I'm not. I'm not going to like try to rewrite history. I can see, see from some of the articles you guys are sending me that clearly that. There was con- it was considered a box office flop initially, but to say that it's a failure overall since then in totality, eh, that's where I start to argue on the margins. Anyway, anything else we want to say about the film or Christmas movies generally? Uh, I, I think the I think the film had a good kernel. I think it, it padded itself to make it fit into an animated format that it didn't serve it well. Spencer doesn't like popcorn. Um, so you know, are we planning to do a, a good old classic kind of like we did with some of the horrors? before we uh, round out Christmas, or is this uh, this our last foray and we're going to go back to our tried and true? Do we want to do the number one on that list that you looked at, Lee? Has everyone seen It's a Wonderful Life? Have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? Nah. Quick, can you commit to watching it this week? Sure. Levi, or BJ, have you watched it? Uh, maybe. Is that, that the one where... Mm, Don't anyway, spoilers. Maybe. Probably not. 
Um, okay, well, if you if you'll watch it, let's commit to watching It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, does a couple things good for us. One is we have a movie to talk about next time we get together, and two, it'll make your week better. That's right. It's gonna uplift you all. Wonderful film. <laughs> I will fight with this. I will fight with you. I will fight on your behalf and on your side, Lee, when it comes to defending this movie against these bastards. Oh, Jesus out. Christ, that'll be such a relief. <laughs> it's all my side. It's never happened before. <laughs> Man, that would be a weight off my shoulders. All right. Thanks, guys. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening. It's Mangum Talks Podcast if you enjoy our podcast. And I can't imagine you got an hour and 30 minutes into us talking about this movie and you don't enjoy hearing us talk. So if you do that, uh, go to MangumTalks.com or go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mangum Talks. You'll see all of our wonderful, glorious content. We do a lot of stuff, television review shows, movie reviews, obviously, on this podcast platform and a general interest podcast called Mangum Talks that you can check out. It's a lot of fun. We will be back with you next time with It's a Wonderful Life. See you.